Thank you, Pastor Hood. It's a great honor to be here. God bless each and every one of you. I'd like Sister Mayo to come and, and say something. And uh, yes. Well, this is a great blessing to be here today. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> I just woke up this morning, and I, let me say thank you to this church. What a beautiful, lovely room and basket and food and all the good stuff. So glad to be here with Sister Stephanie and Brother Evan Hood. I love them so much. I hope you all love them as much as I do. <laughs> this morning I woke up with a scripture in my brain, and it is in Psalms 1, and it says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted, planted, are you planted? Planted by the river of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do you want to prosper? Look at your neighbor and say, grow, little tree, grow. <laughs> Jesus said in Luke 14, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew, and it waxed a great tree. A great tree. I am looking for you individually to become great trees and corporately to become a great tree. And the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. God's going to bring all kind of manner of fowl to this tree. And as you learn how to house all manner of people that come into God's kingdom, the tree's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And as you grow, as you grow, the tree's going to grow. So take the river of life and put your roots into it and keep growing. Oh, that was awesome. You cannot prosper if you're not planted. You cannot prosper if you are not planted. It's an honor to be here today. This is a special day in the history of this congregation. Uh, my wife and I understand uh, these kinds of events. No matter how long we have been in Spokane, Washington, these kinds of days and events are mile markers in the history of a congregation, and they're incredibly important. And uh, I'm looking at the group of people in this congregation that are definitely going to heaven. I mean, if you'll brave the snow and the wind, and your pastor last night said, Pastor, Starbucks is right across the street. 
the Mir Hotel, and when I got down to the lobby and saw the snow up this high, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to wait on Starbucks. <laughs> That's all right. It's good to feel the Holy Ghost, be with God's people, and it's, it's a special delight to be with your pastor and his lovely wife, tremendous people of God. You're greatly blessed. You're greatly blessed. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes a little while to connect some dots. And in this day, in this hour, with so many distractions, the world is flashing and the world is making loud noises and the world has got all kinds of apps and the world's got all kinds of stuff for your smartphone. And it's all, it's all engineered to distract you from the simplicity of Christ. And the more that we can control ourselves and discipline ourselves to get into the things of God, the more apostolic power and glory. In Jesus' name. My wife already said it. Thank you for the room. Um, I don't need five-star hotel, uh, but I, I do appreciate a clean room. And that room is so clean. Um, hallelujah. In fact, I feel like I'm dirtier than the room is. But uh, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, the, the basket's big enough for Jacobed and Moses. And it's filled with stuff that I could not eat this morning because I had church. So maybe I'll dive into it a little bit later. But uh, we are so proud of your pastor and his wife. And I'm so excited about what I feel. You know, it, it's, it's one thing uh, to be invited and say some nice things and things that are genuine, and we really feel these things from a spiritual perspective. It's another thing to come into this type of an environment and realize that there are things that supersede the fact that... Um, you know, we're from Spokane, and I'm his pastor, and th that's wonderful. That's fundamental. That's foundational. But God's going to do some things far beyond that. I'm excited to be a part of that. Are you excited to play a part in that? Let's clap our hands one more time and give God great praise. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Haggai. You may have to go all the way back to the beginning and find out where that book is because it's the second, second shortest book in the Bible. Second shortest book in the Bible. I believe the, I believe the shortest book is Obadiah. And a contemporary would be Haggai. They were both minor, minor prophets. We're going to read a couple verses of scripture here in Haggai, chapter number two, and we're going to start at verse number six. Yes, if you have it, say praise the Lord. Is it okay if we just kind of slow down, just kind of, just kind of talk to us for a little bit, and then we'll see what the Lord will do. Verse number six: For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once 
It is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and yea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. I simply want to talk to us for a few minutes today about glory days. Glory days glory days let's pray father we love you praise you worship you thank you for what we feel here today the touch of your glory your presence your people the word of god man of god all these wonderful people we pray father you will bring about a great 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 demonstration into this part of the world and we won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hardly anybody ventures into these smaller books of the Bible. As I've already mentioned to you, the book of Haggai was second shortest book in the Bible, one of his contemporaries was the shortest, and by definition, the minor prophets were much less voluminous than major prophets. There's another way of looking at major and minor prophets by defining their role in the history of the nation of Israel. Major prophets played a role, and their works were far more voluminous, most notably Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and their works were far more voluminous. They were books, and they were prophets that were sent as a warning to the nation of Israel. The minor prophets played equally an important role, but they were... Um, restorationists. They were God's messengers of restoration and had a restorative ministry to the nation of Israel. The difference being outside of the volume of their writings and the volume of their ministry is the fact that they were surrounded a time in the history of the nation of Israel called the exile. Um, it was never the intention of God when his people were called and delivered and taken out on eagle's wings to come out when they came out of Egyptian captivity, it was never the will of God that his people should ever go into captivity again. When God delivers and God sets free, it is his will that we go higher and higher and farther and farther, not backwards. Okay? Well, the nation of Israel had 
a major problem with idolatry. It was the single greatest sin in the Word of God. They, they could not get entirely free from idolatry. And so the major prophets were a warning to God's people that if they did not turn from idolatry, uh, and I'm just, I'm boiling this down and giving you the essence of their ministry. If they did not repent of their idolatry and come back to the living God to fulfill his plan, his program, not their plan, not their program, God's plan. God didn't deliver the nation of Israel just so they could say, well, okay, I don't, I'm not in Egypt anymore. God had a purpose for separating his people and bringing them out. Well, they did not do it. And so the book of Jeremiah is a, is a final warning to the nation of Israel. The book of Lamentations is, is the, the grieving. It is the grieving book where the nation of Israel is being ripped out of Jerusalem and out of their homeland. The walls are being obliterated. The temple is being obliterated. All of their national landmarks are being obliterated all of the finery of the temple is being taken into Babylon. They are being taken into Babylon. And it changes the course of their history for the remainder of the word of God. It was predetermined that they would only be in captivity for so long. And when they did return, most notably under the ministry of Nehemiah, that they went back to begin to rebuild and to be restored. And this is where the minor prophets come in. The minor prophets were sent from God to the nation of Israel for conviction, for encouragement, to keep them on track. So that is the major role between major prophets when you're reading your Bible and minor prophets. And it surrounds the exile, the Babylonian captivity. And so here in the book of Haggai, the nation of Israel, um, this good brother that read the scripture about the laying of the foundation, this is connected to Haggai. And so here in Haggai chapter 2, verse number 9, Haggai, the prophet, he remembers the glory of the latter house. That's why there were some that wept and some that rejoiced, the ones that wept remembered the glory of the former house, and the ones that shouted were the ones that had never remembered the glory of Solomon's temple and the former, the former glory of Israel. And so they shouted. They said, this is great. This is awesome. And so there was a unique, there was a cacophony of voices that had different utterances and different purposes from two different generations. Haggai comes on the scene. There is nothing but a foundation. And if you will read through the book of Haggai, he first begins to rebuke the nation of Israel because they only got to a certain place of rebuilding the temple, and then they went to building their own homes. And he rebuked the nation of Israel for spending too much time on their own lives and not going back to rebuilding the temple for the presence of God. And so 
they begin the building process again. They continue with optimism. They try to, they try to have a good attitude. They try to remain chipper and optimistic about the rebuilding of the temple. But there's some little-known facts about this temple that is not widely known without a little bit of digging. One of them is, is that in this temple that was being built, it was being built with materials that were brought from Babylon. They did not have, at this time, the nation of Israel were living just above the level of being paupers. All of their wealth, all of their, all of their finery, all of the embroidery, all of the gold, all of the valuable things had been stripped from the nation of Israel by their Babylonian captors. And so they literally, they literally had a building program where they borrowed, they literally were allowed to do this, that they went to their Babylonian captors and they borrowed building materials so that they could re, what, what a message this is that they are not building it with the spoils of enemies that they did through King David and Solomon, but now they're going to their captors, the Babylonians, to try to rebuild their temple with borrowed materials from Babylon. There will be no gold in this temple. In the temple that Solomon built, there was no silver. In fact, the Bible says that silver was rejected. But there is no gold in this temple. Silver is the best they could do. I don't know if there was a spirit of depression. I don't know if they were downcast. I don't know if they were disillusioned. But those that remembered the glory of the former temple must have known that this is not the same thing. You know, we can, we can slap ourselves on the back and say this is going to be good and this is going to be great, but there's just no way. But yet they were commanded to carry on and to continue on. And so Haggai at this juncture comes to them with a word of encouragement and that's where we get where it says here in verse number 8 and verse no, I'm sorry, verse number 7, and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory. God was letting them know I am going to fill this house with glory. I'm giving you a promise. I'm giving you a prophecy. It's going to happen. It didn't happen with this house. But it was going to be future tense. But look at the next scripture when he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. God says, I recognize that you don't have a lot of wealth. I recognize you don't have a lot of finery. I recognize that you have no gold that's going into this house. But I'm still your God and don't worry about it. The silver's already mine. The gold's already mine. You just do what you're supposed to do. And lastly, this incredible prophecy is that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace. 
the glory of the latter house. Unfortunately, he was not referring to the temple that they were seeking to complete. But he was talking about a future house. A house that on the day of Pentecost, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he went into the heavenlies and offered himself as a living sacrifice when he poured his spirit out on all flesh. We are now the house of God. And the, this treasure is in earthen vessels, in a earthen temple. Oh, clap your hands and give him the glory of this house will be greater than the former. Clap your hands and give him praise. Glory days. Look at your neighbor and say glory days. Say it with a smile. I know there's four feet of snow out there. I know I couldn't make it to Starbucks today, but everybody say glory days. Glory days are coming. The sun will shine again. The birds will sing again. I'm going to shout again. I'm going to rejoice again. I'm going to be blessed again. Glory days. I remember as a kid, you never thought summertime was going to end. Barefoot, green grass, friends, pizza till it came out of your ears. No worries, no fears. You didn't know what bills were. You didn't know what holding down a job was. It was just the glory days of childhood when it was positive and, and you didn't know that nations in the world possessed nuclear powers. You weren't even thinking that wide. You were just thinking, this is great. I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have, yeah, it's, just, it's just fun and excitement. Everything's great. Until I grew up. And that doesn't have to end glory days, but that was my first definition of glory days. Bike rides into the sunset. Historically, as a nation, I don't want to cast a shadow on this great service today, but I think we need to realize that our glory days as a nation are probably over. And that's, no, we just need to be real. We're in the end times. We're here to have revival. You might hope for the American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, the American dream is over. It's time for God's dream. And if you'll get in alignment with God's dream, the blessings will flow. Bodies will be healed. You ain't going to have to worry about where the blessings come from because you're smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Re one of the reasons why, and I'll just interject this, that I think that the church is having a little bit of difficulty fully getting into posture. We're going to get there. 
But I think that we're kind of, is because some of us are still trying to hold on to the residual of the American dream of several generations ago in America. That was the greatest generation. A generation that wasn't afraid of war for freedom. A generation that wasn't afraid of work. A generation that wasn't afraid of sacrifice. A generation that could trust their president. A generation that could trust Congress. A generation, but I'm telling you, you can trust the government of God. You can trust the Prince of Peace. You can. I'm, pre I'm already preaching. But the glory days in America were the days in which America was feared, in which young men went to war and shed their blood for the freedom of consecutive generations where people supported and believed in a president, where they believed that people should be able to enjoy their inalienable rights being made in the image of their creator. That's all in the documents found in the United States of America, the greatest document ever drafted by a human being. Those were the glory days. And so all of us, whether we if, if we sit down and really think about it, we can, we, can, we can have some content about glory days. My childhood. Maybe some, some period in your life, a chapter in your life where all things were good and you didn't have a care in this life and you could, you could dream, you could aspire, you could, you, could, you could desire. And then the glory days of our nation. And there's still some veterans around or some folks around that still believe when they look at the headlines of our day and age, they just hang their head and weep. Much like the nation of Israel in Psalm 137, when they were in Babylon and they hung their harps on the willows and their captors required of them a song and said, sing us a song of Zion. I don't believe that that was to torment them. I do not believe that that was to, to, to torture them. I believe that the songs of Zion during the glory days had been reverberated around the world. But they said, we can no longer sing those songs because we are now captive and we can't sing them in a strange land. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how evil it gets. I don't care what Fox News says. We ought to get back to the Word of God and realize in the end we win. We're going to win when this thing wraps up. We might as well do some damage on the way out of here. You may be seated. But what are the glory days of the nation of Israel? The glory days of the nation of Israel, when you consider the panoramic history of the nation of Israel, beginning in Genesis chapter number 12 with Abram, and going all the way until the end of the Word of God, but specifically in the Old Testament, was relatively a very brief, and short period when you consider the magnitude of their history. 
the glory days of Israel was not with Abram, Abraham. It was not with Isaac. It was not with Jacob, even though they're patriarchs and incredible examples of faithfulness, according to Hebrews chapter number 11 and a multiplicity of other scriptures. That was not during the glory days. Because they were strangers and sojourners. And to experience glory days biblically, there has to be a biblical criteria. There has to be a way to define what glory days are before we can, we can understand what they are biblically. Where did they fit in the time period? Was it during the time of the patriarchs? No. Was it a time of the prophets? No. When was the glory days? A very, very short and brief period of time. And I really, I really felt like God gave me this message, and I really felt like God told me to preach it here. I have never preached this message outside of our congregation before, ever. I intended to preach it at Brother Booker's anniversary, and there was a move of the Holy Ghost, and I never got the opportunity to do it. And God said, I want you to preach it here. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen. There has to be a theological criteria so that we don't just take a pot shot or try to pin the tail on the theological donkey. We want it to be real. We want it to mean something. We want it, we want it to be theologically correct and so that it's, it's, it's applicable. It's understandable. The very, one of the very first things that's required to experience the glory days is that you have to have a God-called leader. You have to have a God-called, God-sent leader. Never. You can, you can look all the way through the Word of God, even through the book of Judges, even though God called Gideon. That was not the glory days. Uh, when you have Moses bringing out the nation of Israel. No, why? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, many of them, with, uh, they fell in the wilderness and God was not well pleased. It was not the glory days. They were, they, it was a time of movement. It was a time, yes, they were following the leader, but that there wasn't enough conditions or criteria to actually make that the glory days. There has to be trust in God's called leader. That's another qualification for the glory days. It can't just be, yeah, that's just Pastor Evan. If he's Pastor Evan to you, you need to pray through. That's Pastor Hood to you. That's about 10 of you. I understand. You know, I've been pastoring quite a while now. I'm still working on some people. You know what happens? If my intentions are pure and right, God will create a crisis in that saint's life that will give me the opportunity to reveal really who I am to them. Don't require God to create a crisis so that he can come in on a white stallion and prove to you his intentions are true, his motives are true, his spirit is true, his heart is true. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I'm going to go ahead and get on board while I can.
I'm just going to go ahead and willingly get on board. Another condition that must be in place is that both the leader and the congregation are following the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, put your Mad Magazine down and pick up the word of God. I'm sorry. I haven't read Mad Magazine in a long time. Alfred E. Newman. But I'm going to tell you what. Like I said, you can shut off Fox News, get the app off your telephone, all that's good, or on your, on your smartphone, all that stuff. It's, it's just, if we'll get back to the Word of God, it's happening very slowly. But the quicker that we get back to the Word of God and realize, this is my chief joy. This is where I, my heart is. This is where my desire is. That's when you're going to see the supernatural that'll blow your socks off. We are not going to be able to navigate as a church and a people in the end time without the operation of the supernatural. It ain't gonna, and it's not going to work on your goosebumps. It's not going to work on us. I, I feel God. I, that's wonderful. But you're going to have to have more than that. All of us are going to have to become a congregation of the supernatural where people are living in the Holy Ghost. People wake up in the Spirit of God. People go to bed in the Holy Ghost. People get up and pray in the middle of the night. People are pulling down strongholds. People are shaking the gates of hell. You may be seated. They have to be vanquishing the enemy. Instead of the devil pushing us around, I'm, tell, I'm just telling you with the qual this is why you don't, you don't see a lot of this in the nation of Israel. It's very, very short time period. Because the nation of Israel, God was using neighboring nations. Remember what he told, remember what, what the prophet by God told David, what would happen with Solomon? That God would not take his mercy from Solomon like he did from Saul. And if he deviated from God's plan, he would use the stripes of men. That means that he would use God's enemy, would come in to afflict them to get him back on course. But biblically, during the glory days, you don't have that. You have God's people vanquishing the enemy, driving out the enemy. Y'all out there? Instead of you being chased around by depression, why don't we get in the Holy Ghost and say, no, 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 no. Greater is he. Let's get this thing straight. Greater is he that's in me. I don't need a psychiatrist. I don't need a worldly counselor. I don't need a bottle of pills. What I need is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I need to walk in it. I need to live in it. I need to pray in it. My I want us to lift our hands right now by the other. God, I pray that you deliver every single life 
by the power of the name of Jesus. There's things that are hanging on to people like barnacles on the bow of a boat. I'm telling you that you're in a place that God wants to set you free from that. God wants to liberate you from that. My God, somebody lift your voice. I rebuke the shame and the condemnation that's like a cloud keeping you from seeing the light. By the authority of the name of Jesus, deliver this congregation and this house. You got to understand that the devil's trying to keep you under a cloud because of who you are and who your God is and your potential. Somebody break forth. Somebody break out. Somebody break loose. Let's just take a moment and praise him. This is not just an ordinary Sunday. Not on God's calendar. It might be on man's calendar. It might be on the weatherman's calendar. It might be in the flesh. But in God's economy, this is not just another day. My God, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You see, the very first creation, day of creation, he separated light from dark. And when he said it's the first day, that word day is in a capital D, which means it's a principle. When you begin to walk in the light every day, now you're ready for day two. Let's praise him. God can't do anything until we walk in the light. If you walk in the light, then we have fellowship with him and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But when we get into the darkness, the devil makes us ashamed. The devil condemns us. The devil says you're dirty. The devil says you'll never be good enough. The devil said, hang it up. You ain't never going to have a ministry. But we are children of the day. Clap your hands and give him praise. We are not children of the night. We are not children of the dark. We are children of the day. Somebody say something. Wow, I really feel. <laughs> if you could see where this church is going to be in 10 years, it'd blow your socks off. You got to understand, apostolics are different. It's not just the running. It's not just the shouting. The devil's trying to imitate us and some of these big 
charismatic circles. No. Apostolics never look at things as they are and say, that's the way it is. See, that's the difference between us and everybody else. I'm looking at things where they are right now, but I'm looking at the bigger picture. And when you get in the Holy Ghost, you're able to step out of the flesh. When, if the devil can get you to wrestle with flesh and blood, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to become depressed. You're going to think God's not hearing my prayers. But if you can get in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden you're going to step back and you're going to say, okay, now I know. Yeah, now I got it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand. You may be seated. I'm not going to preach much longer because I'm hungry. place I said I can't preach much longer because I have to use the restroom. <laughs> it's probably a good place to park because the Holy Ghost moved. God don't need me. I did not come here as some superstar. I did not come here because I got a bunch of gold stars by my name. I did not come here because I came in a limousine. I'm not, I didn't, no. I'm just somebody that's a little further down the road than this congregation and your pastor. And what I saw God do there, God's going to do here. And your glory days. Somebody said glory days. Somebody go ahead and shout. Somebody go ahead and lift your voice. You may be seated. It takes a God-called leader. It takes a congregation to follow that leader. It takes a vanquishing of the enemies. The devil's not chasing us. We're chasing him. You're operating on the prophetical. N not the pathetical. The prophetical. What does that mean? Has God ever given this church a promise? We're not operating on the headlines. We're operating on a promise. It's dangerous to live this life and be in the church without a personal promise. But you're in a congregation that has a promise. I don't even know. I've only been here two or three times. I, I don't even know what the prophecies are. I don't even know what the promises are. But when you begin to operate on those, that is one of the qualifications of the criteria. The criteria is something that you qualify everything else or judge everything else by. And one of the elements of the criteria of understanding what the glory days are, you have to be operating on a promise or heading in the direction of that promise to be fulfilled. Like, I, I don't even know. Your pastor's not even told me anything, but I can just imagine that one of the promises was you guys ain't going to be staying here forever. Yeah. 
the other element. You have to be expanding your territories. It means we're growing. And growing is not always qualified as numerical value. It can be an inner growth. Like devil, you might had you might have had yesterday, but you ain't getting today and you ain't getting tomorrow. Thank God, I, I know I'm not everything I'm, I'm supposed to be, but bless God, I ain't everything I used to be. <laughs> Honey, direction is more important than perfection. Clap your hands and give God the My God, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody needs to understand that. I know you're not perfect, but you're going the right direction. Okay, you may be seated. I got to wrap this thing up in about an hour. I believe using this criteria, because if we don't develop a theological hermeneutical, I know that's a big word. It just means how you interpret scripture. That if you don't come up with the proper tool to interpret other scriptures, then we get let off in a bunch of stuff that doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. It's not applicable. I can't make it personal. I can't, put, I can't hang anything on that like a nail in a sure place. The glory days started with Joshua. He was a God-called leader. Those cats that wouldn't come into the promised land because they said, Whereas grasshoppers, that was not the glory days. Automatically, even though Moses was the greatest leader in the Word of God, right. Moses was the greatest human leader in the Bible. Right. He led the nation of Israel through five different spiritual regimes. Right. And the reason why that was not the glory days and could have been the glory days was because the people would not follow the leader. Joshua was the beginning because now he's dealing with the younger generation that now you're believing in the new leader and you're believing the new anointing and you're following. He, come on, I'm trying to reach somebody here today. you got a new leader that's a devil chaser. you got a new leader that's got an angel going before him. you got a new leader that's not afraid of the devil. you got a new leader that wants to go in to the promised land. Somebody high-five your neighbor and say, glory days. You may be seated. Look at what it says here in the book of Joshua. Chapter number 21, verse number 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. What he's saying is, he gave that promise to another generation, and they wouldn't receive it. At times, they questioned the leader. At times, they questioned God. At times, they just discounted that that promise isn't applicable to us. Let us go back to the world. But when a new leader came, when a new leader came, he said, we're going to finish the job and inherit the promise. We're going to inherit that prophecy. And the Lord gave them rest 
Watch this. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them, and the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Their fear failed not ought any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Let's lift our hands. Those are glory days. Joshua led the nation of Israel through 13 different battles and only lost one because in somebody's house they had a television. In somebody's house they had Hollywood movies. In somebody's house they had a Babylonian garment. They had things in their tent that they were preached against in the tabernacle. Oh, you ain't got to say amen. I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. If you want glory days, you're going to have to, everybody's going to have to come up to the same level of consecration in their homes. You know where Pentecost, where Pentecost is losing ground is in the home. We've now become somewhat denominational in the sense that we go to a central location. But it's how we live that truly defines what we are. It's our lifestyle. That's why nothing is more powerful than a church that lives the same way that they worship. If you live a different way than you worship, that will hinder the development of the glory days. The second and greatest chapter that was the glory days was under David. David expanded the nation of Israel. See, the glory days is a time of revival. time of expanding your territory and this absolutely blew me away when I saw this scripture that literally talks about let me find this scripture real quick I apologize here make no mistake about it the glory days under Joshua was very, very short-lived because then you had the book of Judges when they went right back to idolatry. And now God had to raise up Deborah, Barak, Samson, Gideon. Listen to this scripture here. It'll only take me 20 minutes to find it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting hungry. Look at somebody else and say, that must mean the preacher's getting hungry. Listen to this. Listen to this. Talking about Solomon, and he reigned over all the kings from the river 
even unto the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. Now, listen to this. I, I'm leaving out so much because I don't want to. I don't want to wear you out. I want you to get this, and, and we're going to bring it to a crescendo here in a second. But I want you to get this. The greater prophecy behind the nation of Israel was that every promise and every prophecy that God gave to all of the consecutive and the successors of the patriarchs was all connected to one thing. That the nation of Israel would eventually possess all of the land between Euphrates, Babylon, and Egypt. Egypt represents the world. Babylon represents false worship. Everything in between those two rivers would be possessed by God's kingdom. And when they did that, it was glory day. But it was David that was the one that established this. And he reigned over all the kings from the river. God, event, God first gave that promise to Abram, and it wasn't realized for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You have to understand. Well, we just got this little church over on, what's the name of this? Winnie? Oh, that just kills me. I love it, man. I love it. See, God, all God needs is a manger. All God needs is a donkey. Chewing straw. We don't need no big spiral right now. That's not how God works. Well, I'm, you know, I arrive, okay, well, I need, I need a parking lot that will park 500 cars. And, no, you, you wouldn't know what to do with that. Be overrun by the enemy. That's why the nation of Israel, when they were being led into the promised land, he said, you're not going to take the land all at once, lest it be overrun. There's going, to be, there's going to be a proportion of the blessing according to your environment, which means when we get into the glory days, God's going to start adding to the church daily or weekly or monthly. And your building is going to go from this one to the next 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 one. And as long as you're experiencing glory days, you're going to continue to grow. I have come to this place to tell you that the glory days of this congregation are just ahead. You've got the right pastor. You've got a Joshua. You've got the right people. You've got the right prophecies. When there's glory days, people on the job come in. When there's glory days, backsliders come home. When there's glory days, God fulfills your promise. When you're glory days, you get that money that God told you you were going to get. When you get glory days, you're going to find a husband. They're going to find a wife. People are happy. People are excited. The prayer room is full. The altar is full. It's glory day. Most glory days in Pentecostal circles are but a chapter that people look back and say, remember when in the history of that church? Two things. It's defined around a leader and it's defined around a building. You remember what happened. Remember what happened there. 
Remember what took place in there? Remember what took place in here? You remember, and there's entire congregations, entire generations that remember what took place under that leader. But I'm telling you, when a congregation runs out of promises, the glory days come to a close. But I'm here to tell you this congregation has just begun. You're not only going to influence Carson City, you're going to influence beyond this congregation. You're going to influence beyond this little neighborhood. You're going to influence this entire area. I don't even know, I don't even know how far that goes. But you're going to put out men and women that are going to affect their area like you've affected this area. It's the glory days. It's the promise of God. It is the purpose of God. Let's lift our hands and praise him. If this good pastor and this good congregation will continue to pursue the promises. Then you just start going through buildings. We're getting, we're getting ready to remodel our, our previous sanctuary into an education center. We're currently in our fifth building. Very shortly, we're, my wife and I are talking right now about having our architect draft plans for a 2,500-seat auditorium. We're in a 1,000-seat auditorium now. You say, Pastor, why are you keep doing that? Because once I'm in the flow and that congregation is following me, there's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can stop a leader in a congregation that get hooked to a promise and a prophecy. The devil is cast out. The, the, the perimeters are broadened and God is glorified. The Queen of Sheba is coming. The Ethiopian eunuch is coming. Cornelius is coming. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I'm going to turn this over to your good pastor. Glory days. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Come on, glory days are just ahead. Hallelujah. Don't look through your rearview mirror. Look through your windshield. What is God about to do? What is God about to do? If we can get an alignment, we're going to have glory days. Come on, let's magnify the Lord all across this building. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost moving. In fact, why don't we just take a few moments. Everybody come down to the front. We're going we're to have an altar call first. We're going to have a time of prayer. We'll get, to the, we'll get to the other stuff here in a minute. But I wonder if you can come down to the front. Lift up your hands. Come on, if there's one area of your life that is out of alignment, begin to pray. God, help me to bring that into alignment. Help me to bring that into alignment because I want your blessings. I want your favor. I want, I want miracles. I want revival. 
I want my family saved. I want my household blessed. Come on, right now. I want the glory days for my family. I want the glory days for my church. I want the glory days for my ministry. I want the glory days, come on, for my business. I want the glory days. Come on. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. ARC, we're right there. We're right there. We're right there. We got all the pieces of the puzzle. We just got to put them in place. We just got to put them in place. Come on, that's it. Press. Press in the Holy Ghost. Press in the Holy Ghost. Your greatest miracle is yet to come. Your greatest blessing is yet to come. It's on its way. Come on. Why don't you lay hands on somebody and pray a blessing on them? Pray favor upon them. So ready It's already happened. Come on, your ministry is just getting started. It's already happened. You may not have gotten one call, but I tell you, your ministry just getting started. I believe it's already happened. You may not have one client yet, but if you get in alignment, your business is about to take off. It's already happened.
It's already happened. Already happened. It's already happened. I believe. I believe. Remember when living for God was glorious. Remember when living for God was fun. Remember when living for God was fulfilling. The glory days are coming back. Come on, that's it. Keep praying for just a few more moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many in this church have been a part of glory days in other churches. Hallelujah. But God brought you here to see it again. God brought you here to be a part of it again in the name of Jesus. We've not seen our greatest miracle yet. The greatest, the greatest evangelists that have ever preached have not even preached their first message yet. God's going to raise them up out of this church. The, the greatest revival Northern Nevada has ever experienced. It hasn't, it, hasn't, it hasn't even started yet. We're getting ready. Come on. Come on. We're getting an alignment for it. 
Come on, there's home missionaries coming out of this church. There's missionaries coming out of this church. Hallelujah. God's going to raise up. God's going to raise up men and women in this church to affect this region. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I can't think of a better environment for us to do what we're about to do. If I can get the ushers to come up here with the bags. I don't, don't, don't lose your prayerful spirit. I want you to go find your, your vision card and your pen. Amen. Hallelujah, come on. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to grab your pen, grab your card, but before we write it anything down, we're going to pray right now in the Holy Ghost. Would you lift up your voice, lift up your hands all across this building. God has already spoken to some folks. We've been praying and fasting for this service. God's already laid some things on your heart, a number on your heart. If God has spoken to you, God will provide the very thing that he spoke. And we're just going to walk in faith. Hallelujah. Some people might say, well, how am I going to do it? I don't know how I'm going to do it. You just walk in faith and in faithfulness and you watch God make a way. But I'm praying right now a blessing upon this church, a blessing upon this congregation, every individual. Hallelujah. Every man, woman, child, every young person, God, that as we go in one mind and one accord, everything that's represented here, it's more than a building. It's the souls of this city. It's coming into the glory days as was preached. It's coming into miracles, signs, and wonders, a fulfillment of every prophecy and promise. God, there are promises connected to this. God, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Take your pen, write your name down. And then bring it up. We're going to march our way up here. We're going to put it. You can bring the pen as well. Put it in these offering bags for, and we're going to take those in the back and count them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. Feel the intangible and I see the invisible. I'm looking for a miracle and I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible and I see the invisible. Oh, the sky is the limit to what I can have. Just believe and receive it. God will perform it today. Hey, hey, hey. Just believe and receive it. God will perform it today. I'm looking for a miracle. And I expect the impossible. When you get done dropping off that pin and that, intangible. that card, why don't we just worship the and Lord I together? see the invisible. I'm looking for a miracle. And I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. I 
see the invisible. The sky is the limit to what I can have. Just believe and receive it. God will perform it today. Hey, hey, hey. Just believe and receive it. God will perform it today. Sing it with me. I'm looking. I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. And I see the invisible. I'm looking for a miracle. And I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. And I see the invisible. The sky is the limit to what I can have. Just believe and receive it. God will perform it today. Hey, 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 just believe and receive it. God will perform it today. Come on, let's take a minute and just give God a hand clap of praise all across this building. How many feels good in the Holy Ghost? Now, church, he said it, he prophesied it, so if we didn't have a promise before, we got one now. That our glory days are not behind us. We, we've got the miracles that we're going to see. This, every, I thank God for everything that's happened here. And we're going to keep seeing more things here until God takes us out of here. But we haven't even, we can't even dream of what's about to happen over there. They often talk about, well, what's the pastor's vision? I've said a lot of things that I have a vision for. But my prayer was, God, don't send me somewhere where the greatest days are all behind us. <laughs> when I got saved, I, when I got saved, there was about, you've been there about, you guys have been there about eight years. I think there was about 60, 65 people or so. And, man, it was, it was popping and going, but... But, man, I, I think what would have happened if we just said, well, this is all that we can have and this is all that we can do. But, man, I was part of that, and we got in, started having revival. Well, continued, I should say, continue having revival because it's not, it's not overnight. It takes years and years and years. It takes lots of work and effort. And I watched in that church building go from 65 to 250 people. And then God opened the door. We, we prayed. We gave. We did services like this. And there were years. We went through a we went through a financial crash crisis right when we are trying to look for a building. You remember yeah. that? 2008, everything just fell apart. And here we are thinking we're going to get a new building. And it just seemed like, man, when's it going to happen? But God had already prepared it well before we got there. In fact, the building that they are in right now, Pastor and Sister Mayo took their kids ice skating in when they first went to Spokane. And they said, man, this would be a great church. I think that's just a preacher thing. I drive by every building and go, man, wouldn't that make a great church? Man, it'd be great to pray people through in that building. And God moved, them, moved us from that building into the next one. And they, the church just absolutely grew. It became exponential. And now they've into the, into the next one. They're already looking at the future building. 
And every building represented more souls. And I, I, I've been there, and I've seen God do great things, and it has become exponential what God has done. I say all that to say this. God, I prayed this before I ever came here. I said, God, don't send me somewhere where I look back on where I came from and said, man, I wish I had that. Oh, I wish I had the glory days. I said, God, send me somewhere where it hadn't yet quite happened. Send me somewhere where we can be a part of the miracle, not just see the miracle. I want to tell you, ARC, we're about to see the greatest revival that we've ever seen. We're about to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're about to see the largest growth we've ever had. We're about to see, come on, we're about to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Somebody, if you believe that, clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. I expect. 